My inclination must be to pray. It must be my inclination. It must be my another eye. You could put as instinct. My inclination must be to pray, okay? We must be men and women and children of prayer. Martin Holt made this provocative statement. He said this, and I hope it startles you a little bit. Without prayer, a man cannot be a Christian. Without prayer, a woman cannot be a Christian. Hi and welcome, loved ones, to Live in the Light. Hey, I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and joining me in our studio is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. Robbie, we're in the middle of a series, House of Prayer. We're pretty excited, right? We are. It's huge. I mean, it's just how do you overstate the importance of prayer? I mean, we have learned that thus far. Today is no exceptions. Again, to our dear and loved listeners, prayer is everything. God, help us to be men and women and children who believe in the power of prayer. Again, if we're not praying, something is seriously wrong. But let's learn why prayer is so important. And Craig, I know that you are a believer in prayer as well, and maybe encourage the listeners a little bit of why you think prayer is such a big deal. Well, I think it's a big deal. It, 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 like you've said before, it's our lifeline to the Lord. How? Why would I think that I can walk through this life thinking that I can take all of the challenges and difficulties, and I've been sharing with you some of those even before we came online. How, how can I possibly do that without seeking the power of an omnipotent God and a God who loves me so much and calls us, even in today's passage, to, to call out to him for help. Exactly. And that's what we're going to hear right from the mouth of Jesus himself. He's going he's gonna to overload us with reasons to pray. So one of the things we want to do here at Living Light 2 is not just to say things but live them. So I want to just take a moment right now and to ask the Lord. And so Lord Jesus Christ, I pray right now that you would supernaturally and specifically speak your word into the hearts and lives of your children and that you would encourage them and edify them in the powerful truth about prayer today, Lord. We pray about prayer. Make us houses of prayer. Make us men and women who believe and live out that as we seek you and talk to you, well, our lives will be changed by you. We pray this today. Again, would you take this ministry and multiply it in the lives of hundreds and thousands, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, today's message is entitled, Teach Us to Pray. It's our heart. It should be your heart. We pray it is. Teach us to pray. It takes us to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And let's turn things over again to Pastor Robbie with today's teaching. Luke chapter 11, week number two in our foundational, essential, critical, fundamental, vital, and indispensable series, House of Prayer. Last week, we began with Jesus flipping over tables, almost shockingly, running people out of the temple, only to declare with all the authority you could ever imagine, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Remember, Jesus cleaned house to commit his house, and we are called to protect his house. The single greatest way, loved ones, that we protect the house of God is by becoming houses of prayer built on the word of God. I want you to believe that. 
The single greatest way we protect the house of God is becoming houses of prayer, individually, corporately, together. Watch out as we begin to take God at his word of what he will do with a group of people who pray. Let me remind you also, the single greatest reason pastors, leaders, people in general fall away from the Lord or find themselves in the spiritual ditch of apathy or devastation, the single greatest reason people fall is because their devotional life has gone to nil. If you look at a pastor who bottoms out and who falls into sin, you can every time trace it back to the prayer life began to cease and the devotional life and intimacy with the Lord began to waver. All of us are the same. Many of us know this right now. At one time you're on fire for the Lord, one time you're fired up, and all of a sudden you start to drift a little bit. You start to, you know, watch a little more TV and love the world a little bit more. You start to kind of pursue the things of materialism. You start to dream about money too much. And God's over here at one point, and he's not moving, but we are. You start to focus so much on the temporal things of life. You start to get distracted by the worldliness around you. You start to long for areas of sin and lust. You start to build habits of idolatry and just in, uh, infatuation with the things. And God is continually over there. He hasn't moved. We continually find ourselves moving farther and farther away. As we isolate ourselves from the Lord, we stop going to small groups so much. We're not interested in being accountable. We stop maybe church here and there. We start showing up late. We stop showing up at all. And all of a sudden, our devotional life has been brought to nothing. Christ is over there in all his power and victory. And we find ourselves in places of apathy and lethargy and we're miserable at the same time. It all begins with an intentional drift or unintentional drift too, but to understand, to get back, the single greatest power and thing we see is a true devotional, intimate life. And how can you stress the role of prayer more than that when it comes to seeking the Lord? Prayer is our lifeline to God. The greatest way we commune and have a conversation with the Lord is through a life of prayer. Now, watch this. Thomas Goodwin, he said this. He says, that our fallen nature is actually allergic to God. That's interesting. You know, some people will rightly say, well, the reason people don't, the reason Christians don't pray is because, you know, they don't know how, and that's true, or they find it boring, and that's true. Those are true. But we have to make sure we understand, I think the fundamental biblical reason, as I see it, apparently someone else sees it too, is because our flesh, man, just hates it. The old self within us, who has been crucified and yet allows to live for now and trying to steal us back and to, to, to hurt us, to draw us back to the ways of sin. I mean, I feel that every day. Do you feel that? I mean, even as we start like this prayer series, opposition ramps up. Yeah, are, is anyone else feeling that right now? I mean, I am. I mean, I just, even sinful flesh, all of a sudden, I mean, the voices in my head, the accusations of my heart, you know, just the reality of the difficulty of pressing in the things that you're trying to preach and live. I was walking with Jill this week and just explained that to her. And just, man, you preach your prayer series. The one thing you got to expect is going to be tough. You know, it's so much easier not to do this. Why? Here's why. Here's why. Because our fallen sinful nature is actually allergic to God and never wants to get you close to him. That's why there's a battle right now. I'm so glad you're here, by the way. I'm so glad you showed up again. All right? I'm sure some of you wanted to sleep in this morning or do something else or all the reasons you shouldn't be here, but so glad you are. Thus, our fallen nature constantly pulls us away from prayer. This is what we have to recognize. That's why this is so important, right? 
So you know, like, you're like me, and you have a thought, I should go pray with my wife. And you start walking towards, you know, literally or metaphorically speaking, start walking towards you, all of a sudden you get distracted by something that's over here, and you turn there, or, hey man, I should pray with my kids right now. And all of a sudden you start to do that, and all of a sudden you start to feel like, man, I just feel like, oh, I'm so tired, or, you know, oh, you get sick, or you just, something happens, like, ah, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, whatever happens. Amazing. The moment you, I'm gonna go to the prayer meeting this Wednesday. And then Wednesday comes along, we always say it, it's so true, man. It's the worst, worst traffic in the history of Toronto, right? All the kids are melting down, man. They're like, some of them are throwing up at home and stuff like that. You get in a fight with your spouse or so your boss at work is an unusual jerk to you that day. And all of a sudden, all the days, and just you try to pray and you're like, ah, I'm too tired to pray. Ah, I can't do it anymore. Fight through it, man, fight through it. I'll, I'll try to fight through it too, all right? We'll see what the Lord does with that. It's amazing because, because the enemy is terrified of a house of prayer and our flesh, I mean, our flesh is so against it as well, which if you turn to it, you see what it is and you're like, okay, man, I see what's happening right now. I am not, I'm not, I'm not gonna fall prey to this right now. I'm gonna push through and seek to pray whether I feel like it or not. Now, as we continue on in our series right here in this massively important series, when it comes to being a house of prayer, many of us will be saying this, well, where do I start? And of course, last week we did a lot of that too, but I think we gotta keep kind of circling around to gather people on or just like, what do I do from here? Or again, Robbie, where do I start when it comes to being a house of If you're asking that question, you find yourself in very good company. Luke 11, verse one, check it out. You find yourself in very good company. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now, Jesus was praying. Yes, yes. He was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Let's stop there for a second. Jesus is praying. Notice the disciples are watching. And when Jesus finishes, one of the disciples goes up on behalf of the rest because he says, Lord, teach us to pray. That's what he says. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, would you teach us to do what you're just doing? Lord, will you teach us to become houses of prayer? And so what follows now in Luke chapter 11 is a wonderful outline of the prayer-filled life. Luke 11, 1 to 13 becomes three individual components of a powerful prayer life in Christ. Admittedly, these could be three separate sermons, but I want us to see the progression from verse one to verse 13. It's like they all connect and they grow in momentum. So right now you're like, man, like, why pray? How pray? Uh, what's the incentive to pray? We're gonna see all those right now through this text. So here's, here's the first thing when it comes to a prayer-filled life in the words of Jesus. Number one is this. My inclination, three eyes today, my inclination must be to pray. It must be my inclination. It must be my another eye you could put as instinct. My instinct as a Christ follower must be to pray. So look at verse two. And Jesus answered them, he said to them, when you pray, notice not if you pray, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. 
and lead us not into temptation. Now, this is one of the better known passages in all of scripture, especially the Matthew 6 version, which is a strong parallel and adds a couple of phrases. You know, you're going through the Lord's Prayer this week and you're studying it and you just recall, man, I remember growing up in public school and we said the Lord's Prayer every day. Remember that? My, how the world has changed, hasn't it? I mean, that's just like, I mean, just like, it was just common understanding, saying the national anthem, and then you said the Lord's Prayer. I mean, I'm not that old, right? Thanks a lot, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. That's just like a few decades ago, and it was like standard in the public school system that you would recite the Lord's Prayer. Again, it's just, a, it's just amazing to see how, how much things have changed, but loved ones, Jesus Christ is still building his church, amen? He's building his church, whether this is sent in public school or not, man, he's... He's raising up his people to do this thing. So when Jesus says here, he says, when you pray, say. When you pray, say, which indicates this is a prayer that is to be used as is within the church. It is not wrong. It is right to pray this prayer in this form. Matthew 6, though, Matthew's gospel version says this. It says, uh, Jesus says, pray then like this. And both are true. Pray then like this, meaning the Lord's prayer is a model to be used in prayer. And Christ followers have been doing both for centuries. It is right to take this prayer and to repeat it as long as you don't make it some kind of ritual that becomes some religious kind of like just saying that has nothing in your heart. Remember, when you're praying, you always got to make sure your heart's engaged. You always got to think about what am I doing right now? Who am I praying to? And we're going to see that in a second. But it's a great model for prayer as well, which is so appropriate. And we're going to break down that model just in a moment as well. But the single greatest takeaway from this first section, I want to see, my inclination must be to pray, okay? We must be men and women and children of prayer. Martin Holt made this provocative statement. He said this, and I hope it startles you a little bit. Without prayer, a man cannot be a Christian. Without prayer, a woman cannot be a Christian. He's like, well, is that, is that right? Is that fair? Is it going to kind of troubles me a little bit? I go, whoa, whoa, is that a little harsh? Is that a little severe? I don't, I, don't, I don't think it is severe. I think it's very true. Martin Luther said this. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible to be alive without breathing. It's like when a baby's born, right? And um, they come out of their mother's womb and then the baby gives out a cry and takes his first breath. If the baby is, 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 is alive, that happens. The, the baby must, must breathe as it enters into the oxygen filling the lungs world now. And as a Christian is born again spiritually and comes alive in Jesus Christ, there's a relationship that has been supernaturally made between the living God and this finite human being. And it must be proven with an intimacy and communication of prayer and devotion. In fact, lovins, it's theologically impossible for that not to happen. A genuine devotion and communion with God if you're truly alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. So no, a, a man cannot truly be a Christian and never pray. There's bad days, good days, bad seasons, good seasons. The reality is, that's how important prayer is. It's one of the proofs that we are in relationship again with the Lord. I love in verse one, Jesus himself is praying. Why is that significant? Well, Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. And yet he prayed. Isn't that humbling? 
I mean, Jesus is God on earth and he's praying to his father. So the disciples, they're watching him praying. They're captured by his praying. You notice in verse one there, it says, when he finished, one of his disciples went up to him. So this is really amazing. So Jesus is praying over here and the disciples are watching. They are observing and they're waiting till he's done. Whatever's happening right there, as soon as he's finished, they walk up to him and they're like, Jesus, man, whatever's going on there, you gotta teach us to do the same, okay? Like Jesus, like whatever we're, whatever we're seeing, whatever you're doing right now, apparently that's powerful. Apparently this is, this is, this is getting uh, progress for the kid. Apparently there's something magnetic going on as they watch Jesus, the son of God, pray to his father to the point that as soon as he's done, Jesus, get me some of that. Can you teach me? How to pray, because that obviously is a higher level of living as you're communicating with your father, Lord, we want to know and we want to be the same. They're observing, they're observing the intimacy of Jesus with the father. Powerful. You know what's so interesting too is Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach. His disciples never went up to him and said, Lord, teach us how to preach but they did say, teach us how to pray. And the Lord did teach them how to pray as well. And this is happening right now. Notice too, within the Lord's prayer, I want you to see, notice all the pronouns in the Lord's prayer are plural. Notice that. Um, Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. as we ourselves lead us not into temptation. What we're noticing here, right here in the Lord's Prayer, this is, a, this is meant to be a corporate form of prayer. This is not individualistic. This is, this is praying for one another. This is praying with one another. So there's no secret this church, we're passionate about corporate prayer. Here's why, we're just trying to be obedient. We're just trying to be obedient. Like this is, this is evidently the model of the prayer of prayers that is to be done and for one another as sons and daughters of the king, as people belonging to the church of God. That's why this Wednesday, this prayer meeting is such a big deal. That's why it's really the furnace of our church every month, the third Wednesday of every month, almost without exception. We gather to pray, to be obedient, what the Lord has called us to do. I just want us to believe in the power and the beauty and the blessing. And honestly, again, this is no secret too. We're trying to make these gatherings right here we're trying to make these gatherings more and more kind of prayer meetings. And I hope, and I hope on some level, some of us are like, oh, that's a, that's a little bit stretching. Yeah, it's, but it's awesome. Why? Because look, well, look, look. It's who we're supposed to be. So many different ways we can do this. But to understand that God uses prayer and how powerful it is and for one another, and I'm just praying more and more, we're growing in this and we're not afraid of it. But we embrace it. And remember, even with the opportunities right now, we will recognize, man, my, my flesh doesn't want to do it. All the more reason to do it. Satan's so terrified. All the more reason to press in and to step out of our comfort zones and to say, God, Father, hallowed be your name. Give us this day our daily bread. Excited for this Wednesday, 7 p.m. God, use it, use it so powerfully. And also notice the corporate nature of the Lord's Prayer here. Remember our challenge of this series? The challenge throughout this series is each time you come into the building for um, a message or for a service in this series, the challenge is to pray with or for someone before you leave. That's the challenge. Some of you have done that already today. Bless your hearts. And I just, I just continue to say, man, God, will you lead me to pray? For, can I pray for you? Can I pray with you? 
the ability to pray with someone before you leave the building today in order to love other members in the body of Christ. And then hopefully, I mean, that would become, imagine that happened all the time, like just an ongoing, just desire. We wanted to do that. Every one of us, we came in, we would seek to be praying with someone or for someone. Man, that'd be just so beautiful, wouldn't it? It'd be so powerful. So what I wanna do now is I understand the overall point here, my inclination must be to pray. When we come to the Lord's Prayer now specifically, um, we've taught on this in the past in great detail. So I'm not looking to be exhaustive at all because I just don't have time to do it but I want to just break this down into four main categories as a model of prayer. But I want you to see this right now, okay? So if we go over here and we see the Lord's Prayer, what's happening here? As a model for prayer, the first thing is worship, right? Uh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now remember, as a, as a, as a model for prayer in the Lord's Prayer, Father, right? Um, this is relationship. This is intimacy, um, this is a theme through this text here too. Again, when, 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 when you and I stop and we're about to pray, and I, this helps me so much when I do this, say, okay, right now, I am a son of the king. I am praying to my father who is in heaven. I mean, we sang today, good, good father. Like if you really believe that, it starts to turn some stuff over in your heart. Like my perfect heavenly father cares for me more than I can ever imagine. And now, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Just, just the word Father. I mean, can you really believe you get to address him as Abba Father? Really? Really? Like with all our sin, all our, all our gross sin and stuff that just, you know, just, and he looks at us and loves us and has cleansed us and we get to call him Father and you get to address him in prayer and he listens to you as the perfect father does to his child? Really? Yep. You address him, Father, hallowed be your name. A hallowed reverence, awe, veneration, worship. The prayer begins of the seeing before we run to the requests. Hallowed be your name. So the model of prayer is worship, and by worship is worthship. Literally. The worth of God. You 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 tell him how worthy he is. Hallowed be your name. And then we see this next, the next part of the Lord's Prayer, a kingdom of God, your kingdom come, okay? Daniel Henderson says this, not all prayer requests are created equal. Meaning, sometimes we pray things, or all, I think all prayers are legit, but some prayers are less than others. So are your prayers kingdom prayers? Or are your prayers kind of non-kingdom prayers? Are they your little kingdom prayers? Or are they actually God's kingdom prayers. One of the best ways we find out if our prayers are kingdom-centered, here's a quote, it's right here. He says this, John Bryson, if Jesus answered all of your prayers in the last 30 days, would anything change in the world or just your world? That's good. Stop, pause, apply. Think about that. What are we asking for the Lord? And if, if we got everything that we're asking for, would it be our little kingdom that is being transformed? Or would it actually be God's kingdom beyond for the gospel in this world? You know, your kingdom come, that is a prayer for Jesus' return now. But it's also a prayer that your kingdom be established here and now until you return. Let's see people saved in Christ. Let's see marriages restored. Let's see the lost found. Let's see reconciliation. Let's see the gospel go forth. Let's see churches planted. Your kingdom come, oh God. Matthew 6 says, on earth as it is 
in heaven. So our prayers must be kingdom-focused. God's kingdom. We go back to this next. We see this dependence, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Physical dependence. When this prayer in the ancient world, when this was being said, man, daily bread was legit. And I always say this too, when when we're praying this, discipline yourselves, loved one. When you open the fridge today, do not take for granted that there's food and water in there. Like it's powerful to open it up and be like, I cannot believe. Like, like, like sometimes I open our fridge, you know, and you just see a variety of things that are in there. And I find myself, I just saying, I just go, wow, praise the Lord or thank you, God. Or I just, I even, even to myself, I will not take this for granted. I refuse to think that's normal to open up a fridge and to have a variety of options. To see a pantry open and to see sustenance there that we might live. I just, I mean, it's, just, it's grace. It's God's provision. You didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's powerful to look at the simple things of life and to say, that's my daily bread by the grace of God and his provision. But then we say, forgive us our sins. That's spiritual dependence now. That is like the gospel. The gospel's in the Lord's prayer. And forgive us our sins as we forgive others. The, the, the forgiveness we received in Christ, God, we depend on you for this, that we would extend that to others as well. So like models of prayer, worship, kingdom of God, dependence, and then we see the last one here, protection, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Why? Well, you know, lead us not into temptation, it says in Matthew 6, deliver us from evil. Well, because the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So lead us not into temptation. Again, in this passage, Matthew 6, deliver us from evil, said there. That's so important. These are categories that you can take as a model for prayer. And I suggest to you, you start unpacking these four categories in a prayer and you start with with worship for the the Father and kingdom. And I mean, I bet you you could roll off 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes like that. You could stand in front of your fridge and pray for 10 minutes probably now, right? Thank you for my specialty coffee, Lord. Thank you for the carrots in the corner. I mean, whatever. It's just, it's just so powerful to recognize all. My inclination must be to pray. Moves us to number two. My invitation now, loved ones, is to be persistent in prayer. My invitation is to be persistent in prayer. Look at verse five. Again, loved ones, watch the progress. Every section is prayer-based. It's one growing on top of another, okay? So the Lord's prayer notice leads into this, verse five. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend, Jesus is a really good preacher, so now what he's doing is providing illustrations to back up what he just commanded. Which of you as a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, Jesus says, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, notice that, that because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So this this little parable has an unexpected guest coming at midnight. It's quite something. Now, the guy's probably his friends traveling at midnight. Commentators speculate because it was cooler to travel then. His supply of bread is gone and he goes to his friend's house. So if, if, if a visitor in the ancient days, when, if a visitor arrived at your house and you had no food, that was like unthinkable. 
Like it was unthinkable to not provide something for a guest when they came. So he sees us. He's like, wow, I need something. He goes to his friend's house and says, hey, hey, I need three loaves. I need three loaves. Funny, last, um, last week it was Thanksgiving and I was at my, my sister's place and she moved into a new place with her family. She's kind of north of Barrie up there. And first time I was there, but we were um, preparing uh, the dinner. When I say we, I mean really my mom and dad were. And uh, they were trying to make gravy and uh, realized we had no flour. And so um, kind of look around and say, maybe we should go ask one of the neighbors. That's the first time I've ever been there or whatever. I'm just going to listen to that and say, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go, you know? So, and it's a street and the kind of house is a little farther apart, whatever. So I just found myself with this little kind of like, you know, um, measuring spoon thing, whatever, kind of walking across the street and uh, Sunday afternoon and went to this house. These people were kind of doing a thing and knocking on their door. And, uh, you know, they don't know me from anyone and just like, hey, uh, I'm Robbie. My sister lives over there. And do you have any flour? <laughs> and they were super nice, man. They were, they were super nice. And they gave, they gave you flour and just kind of like knocking on the door and just say like, we need your help and going back over. And the gravy was great. All in favor of gravy? Amen. Yeah, so good. So good. So that was worth the trip, right? So anyways, that's really what's happening within our text here. If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light.